911, what's the nature of your emergency? Welcome back to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton. And in today's episode, I'm bringing in another live that we did inside of our Police, Fire, Military, and Families Facebook group with my new friend, Justin Earhart. And Justin is the Bearded Financial Pro. Super awesome name. And if you're looking for some tips on some of the updates with regards to your own personal retirement, then stay tuned. Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and happy Tuesday. I am sitting in front of my new good friend, Mr. Justin Earhart. Justin, how are you? Doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Justin, you're an expert in the financial field, but you also have a background in military, EMT, and firefighting. So can you share with the group a little bit about what that background is? Yeah, so I went in the Air Force in 2007 as a security forces, which is you know basically military police. And through that process, I spent a few years in uh, Moody Air Force Base doing a lot of deployments up to South Iraq, doing air security operations, got to look for IEDs, and sometimes they found us first uh, before we found them. But had a good time deploying a few Army units, and then after they got stationed in uh, Utah, and I knew I was going to get out at that point. I didn't want to stay in much longer, and um, decided to go through the fire and EMT route. And then after that, I moved back to Georgia, where my uh, now ex-wife was uh, is from and was a firefighter with Gwinnett County for a couple months, and I got injured due to uh, some military injury aggravations, and I had to uh, leave that and actually got uh, into the financial industry after that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that that it happened, and we're so thankful for your service. And we were joking a little bit before we hit that live button, and I had asked if Justin was going to be coming back to California, and it was a hard no. <laughs> I totally understand where you're coming from with that. One sibling in California and he's not, you know, he's not, I don't know if he's going to be moved out, but my mom just moved out of California. So I have zero desire to even visit that place ever again. Understood. Understood. So what is it that made you decide after being a firefighter that you wanted to get into anything financial at all? Yeah, I had zero desire ever in my life to want to be in the financial industry. Um, my father, he actually passed away when I was 16 years old. And I left my mom uh, financially in so much trouble because he didn't have any life insurance. He was the breadwinner. She was a stay-at-home mom, you know, but none of that kind of sparked, uh, maybe I should get in the financial industry. So when I started realizing that the firefighting wasn't panning out anymore, um, I have severe back injuries that I couldn't, I just didn't want to put anybody at risk um, if I was in a fire or in any situation that required me and I wasn't able to do it. Like that was my biggest fear. Um, I actually got a call from a California number and I'm in Georgia. So it was from Long Beach, California. I'm like, where the hell is this person calling me? Um, ignored it. Typically what you do with unanswered phones, but someone had essentially referred me to him. Um, cause I had a business where I was teaching uh Krav Maga and doing some, you know, classes for, um, rape victims of women out here in Georgia. And someone referred me to him because he had a conversation with them saying, Hey, you know, I just moved out here from California. Uh, him and I were weirdly enough born in the same hospital. That's a whole other story. But um, he was out here. He just opened up uh, part of the expansion leg of um, uh, the financial firm. And he was like, if you know anybody who has leadership skills and backgrounds looking for a new career, have him reach out to me. And so um, he gave uh, or he got my card from from one of the women that was in the class. And we still don't know who it was, but 
Um, and he gave me a call and uh, I, I hate the financial industry. I'm be honest. With you, I, I have a huge uh, misconception of it essentially. I mean, it was rightfully so because my family, what we suffered through and a lot of financial professionals just seem like they're out just to rip people off, make money. And, you know, so it's a kind of a negative stigma. So when he told me, um, it was in the financial industry. I went in there completely guarded. But when I realized what he was about, what the company was about, is about truly helping and educating people about money. I was a client first and I realized how they were really out to educate people. And then that's how I got into it because I knew that families like myself and maybe even people that will be watching and listening to this, that they'll be you know sitting back saying, you know what, I have a lot of financial issues and I need help. But we're kind of too you know, afraid to reach out. And so I realized that through his conversation, <clears throat> the benefits I had at the fire department weren't going to last anyways. Um, the issues with pensions that we had, um, our retirement structure. And I was like, you know what, there's so many people that I personally know in the fire and military mm-hmm. industry that could massively benefit from this. So um, that's what made me uh, get into it was a driving force just because I knew there's so many people just like myself that, you know, and just like on, on your page too, that we all want to retire someday. We put our lives on the line um, to be able to get to that point. So I started learning very, very disciplined inside the financial industry for the last five years, learning the ins and outs of every product out there and, and how it helps people like us. So my big driving force is be able to learn how to help other people that were just like me that were often left behind and mistreated by the financial industry. Hmm. I love that. Justin, when you first got into it, after it being a field that you essentially didn't know anything about, what was that most surprising thing that came to you that made you say, you know, this is amazing information. I need to gift it to other people. Yeah, it was just basic financial concepts. When you think about any of our education in school, we're not taught anything as far as um, debt or student loans. We're not taught about mortgages, taxes, insurances, retirement. We basically just go through life and they say, okay, congratulations. And you graduated college or high school, whatever now, good luck. And after mm-hmm. that, you're like, what am I supposed to do? So to me, the surprising aspect was how most of us were just winging it. And I think that's the biggest problem is we wing it. And then we start searching the internet and we find these, you know, gurus and I'm not going to name names, but there's so many people out there that they're not in the financial industry as licensed advisors or anything. And they have zero, you know, if they give advice and it's bad advice, they can't get sued. And I started like, man, why are we listening to people who, you know, just give a blanket piece of advice where it says, you know, yeah. you should, everyone should do this. And so the surprising factor was that <clears throat> people are charging money for courses for financial stuff that, they're saying everyone should do this. Well, I don't like your financial situation is different than mine. Your listener's financial situation is different than yours, but they give so much advice of everyone should do this. And I don't believe in that. And uh, my company doesn't believe in that. So it's just a lack of education, a lack of actual resources that are out there to um, help people that, that truly needed the, the education advice specific to them and their family. So that was the biggest eye opener to me and why I, you know, even though I don't have to work and do this anymore because I have enough residual income that I, you know, can not ever work again. I still do this every day because of that factor of people are just wandering out there and they're lost when it comes to their money. 
Yeah, it's really ironic because in the comments, um, we were just speaking on retirement in the, the retirement system last night, and it's so true. And we were. Um, Clint and I actually had a call with two other members in this group last night, and that was one of the first topics is all of the changes that are happening right now in the retirement system as it pertains to first responders. So can you speak to that? Yeah, so a lot of people that I deal with, I deal with a lot of counties out here in Georgia, uh, specifically because I live out here, but they're their county pension systems are changing at, at such a, a terrifying rate uh, because there's what's what we call uh, the, the three-legged stool of retirement. It used to be uh, pensions from companies, and most companies don't even offer pensions anymore. It's typically government work. Um, but those pensions alone, like CalPERS, uh, the California Pension and Retirement System, um, one of their um, portion of their uh, – one of the counties they had inside of it dropped their pension 85%. You know, because a lot of these pensions are failing because they can't keep up with the demand. They've put money inside risky portfolios and investments and lost money and so many issues. There's a county out here in Georgia and one of the the majors for the police departments out here. She actually brought me in because this county was having such massive issues with their pension. It started out for the people who've been there 20 plus years. It's an 82 percent pension at 30 years, which is phenomenal for them. But where they're at now, any new recruit that comes in and gets trained and goes to their academy, they're at a 1% per year pension. Meaning if I work 30 years and I've yet to really meet any first responder that hits 30 years, is there's those rarities. But most time they, they're retiring earlier. But if they did go 30 years, and let's say for some reason out here in Georgia, it's not very common for me. You know, first responders make 100 grand. I know most of the country it's not. But if they made 100 grand, they would only make 30,000 a year on a pension if they did 30 years at 1% per year. So there's so many changes with the pension system that we're, we're losing first responders to other departments that maybe have better pensions and they can transfer over. So the pension system as a whole is changing. And that was number one on the leg. Number two is Social Security. Social Security as a whole is having troubles. If you can actually go print out your, your statement on SSA.gov, they say by 2034, the trust funds will be depleted, meaning we're only going to be living off of income taxes for, for Social Security. And 2034 is 14 years from now. So people who are trying to retire or people who will be retired at the time, Social Security is going to be taking a massive hit. And they say we'll only have about 76% um, of our Social Security will be covered by income taxes at that time. So pensions are gone. Social Security is struggling to have a problem. And the last thing is personal savings. Personal savings is at an all-time low as a country. We're at about a negative 2% savings rate. And when it comes to retirement for people who are first responders and military, they've now changed up part of the military where a portion of their money is uh, in retirement is going to be with basically a 401k or the TSP. They're saving in TSPs. We have 401ks, 403bs, 457s. Most people are saving into it and they're matching. But the big thing that people are not thinking of uh, typically is right now it helps when it comes down to deferring taxes, right? So the money that's saved into any four account um, is deferred taxes. So you don't pay taxes now, you pay taxes in the future. Um, there's some things that we're starting to roll out with as a as an office uh, with my team specifically um, that we're going to be teaching about the impact of future taxes. Right now, taxes are some of the lowest tax brackets we've ever had. But in 2026, for instance, it doesn't matter who's president, Republican, Democrat. I personally don't care. The tax law expires and every tax bracket except the 15 percent tax bracket will go up three percent regardless. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but 3% of your income every year being taxed, 
it is a problem. And if you look at the historical side of taxes, every every few years we have dramatic increases in taxes. So we're saving in these retirement accounts with our counties that are not going to tax us now, but they're going to tax us in the future. What is the taxes going to be in 20, 30 years when people retire? I don't know, but probably not the greatest. So it's a huge problem that people are running into with these 401ks or 403s or whatever, that people are just starting to realize that, man, we're, we're getting reamed with taxes. Everything the county matches and the match that grows, you have to pay taxes on. So it seems like a great thing, but that's all we're told. That's the only education. Um, and there are other options out there. You know, it does have its purpose. I'm not saying it's terrible, but you just have to, we have to understand our retirement system is changing. And in order for you to control it, you have to be in charge of your retirement versus letting the county control where your retirement goes and pensions and everything like that. So it's one thing we need to be focused focused on is making sure that we understand where our money's going for our retirement. Cause it's these, you know, the people we deal with, you know, and, and people in your community, the first responders in the military, these are people I care about and learning about their retirements and seeing where it's at. Like I want them to be able to retire. I've seen too many of uh, my friends and um, that they've hit retirement, but their, their pension isn't holding up to what they have to do. They still have to work a second mm-hmm. job. You know, it's a big difference between wanting to work and having to work. So a lot of the, you know, the departments are, are really struggling in their retirement system. And that's something that we have to individually address with as many people as possible. Yeah, for sure. And hi, good morning, you guys. Thank you for listening and for joining us. And Justin, thank you so much for adding all the value that you are. And I actually read on your website that the average income for a first responder is just over a little, a little over 36,000. So in the numbers you were just describing, that's in like a, an idealistic situation where we have somebody making a hundred K a year. But the reality is that what you're talking about, consequently, if you're not making that $100,000, it, it could be it could be even worse than that. So what advice would you give to somebody who might be listening to this in order to combat those three elements that you just described? Yeah, you have to really start focusing on saving in the right areas. And, and that's very important. There's really three different areas people can save in. Fixed accounts, which is typically CDs, savings, fixed annuities. There's variable accounts, which is the 401ks, 403s, 457, anything that deals with the stock market. And there's index accounts. Index is basically where the market, if it tanks, you lock in how much money you have and you don't lose it. And when it's doing well, you capture the upsides as well. Now, most people typically only save for retirement in variables. They're only saving in one of those three areas. So we have to show them how to save and diversify their money a lot better to not only grow it, but more importantly, protect it. If you look back historically at the stock market, anytime it tanks and sure it rebounds, but I like not, I, I like not losing money. I don't know about you, but like, you know, I have some money in stocks and yesterday they're taking a hit and I was just like, God, I just just hate losing it. But um, if there's ways that we can protect our money so we don't lose it, especially long-term, we want to focus on that. And then also focusing on the tax implications that we have. Tax now, tax later, or tax never again. So showing people how to actually diversify their money properly for retirement um, in those three different buckets and three different tax brackets is what they have to be focused on. So that's what we focus on doing with our education aspect uh, with our company. Again, we don't go in there and like say, we're just going to sit down and sell you some crap. I don't, I don't even like talking to people who, you know, do that in other advisor positions, but we go in there, let me educate you, show you what we can do. And then if they want help, great. If not, super sounds good. You know, like you want to make sure they're educated on those different areas 
for their retirement. So one day when they do punch the clock for the last time, they don't ever have to worry about money again. And that's, that's my ultimate focus for your listeners. Cool. Makes sense. Here in the comments, it says, I tell all of my clients to ignore the pension and social security. They won't have much social security because of the WEP anyway, saving their 457 as though their financial lives depended on it. I work at a small department for Lawrence County, Kentucky Sheriff's Office. There won't be no such thing as a retirement for me as we only make 25000 a year. So what advice would you give to somebody who's in that situation, Justin? Yeah, so typically if I have someone who's in a low income situation and I see it a lot, they have low income, high debt. And what that and I'm not saying in his situation, but most time it's if they're having such bad cash flow issues, they don't have a retirement system. It's ultimately up to them. We have to start off with my two step process, people one, establishing a budget that is either going to be focusing on um, increasing their cash flow or reducing expenses. And then number two is eliminating their debt and showing how to do it faster. If you can't do those first two things, because, you know, yes, they should be saving for retirement. They need to be doing it on their own, even if they can start building a habit of $50 a month if they're low income. While we focus on cash, cash flow and, and debt reduction, they still need to build the habit. So in, in most situations, because in Georgia, we have very low incomes. Um, for instance, I was bringing in $1,600 a month when I was a firefighter. Of course, that's after, you know, benefits um and and saving in the you know a small amount into a 457 but my personal income what i i had challenges with just like i'm sure a lot of people listen to this do is it wasn't bringing enough income but i had a bunch of debt from car loans um i had $25,000 of credit card debt 5 years ago um just tons of different problems with it so what they did for me and how they first educated me cuz like i said i was a client first was one i had to look at that budget i was spending easily you know, three to four hundred dollars a month of money I really didn't have because I kept using credit cards. Um, so those are the two first areas that I started. So if someone does have a a retirement issue where they don't have anything at the county and they have to focus on themselves, one start building a habit on an outside um, retirement thing. You can use anything like a a Roth IRA uh, uh, typically to help with tax advantages down the road, um, and then also making sure that you are eliminating your debt. And there's ways to do that. The best way that I do it is through a debt snowball calculator that I, I use for my clients where it eliminates debt extremely fast if you follow the program. So showing them how to get out of debt faster and then showing them how to keep track of their money. If you don't keep track where your money's going, like you will be shocked if you actually sit there and every month when you're looking at stuff. And I don't mean like one of those old school budgets of I can only spend here. I mean, yeah, you should limit yourself. But if you track your spending looking at how much money you already spent for the month on probably fast food or eating out typically. So people are like, well, I don't have much money. Well, where's your money go? The biggest answer is, I don't know. It's just gone. Or when I sit with clients in these situations, I'm like, well, you should have six, $700 every month left over. Where like, do you feel like you have that much? And they're like, no, I feel like I'm broke at the end of every month. Well, where's your money go? I don't know. So keeping track of your money, helping reduce down your debt, and start saving now in uh, something like a Roth if you don't have a retirement system. Save for yourself. And it doesn't matter if it's big or small. Set up the habit. It doesn't matter if you had twenty-five grand a year all the way up to seventy-five grand a year. If you don't build proper spending habits and financial habits when you have no money, when you have more money, those bad habits are still going to exist. And I've seen it before uh, with clients who have come into money, gotten a new job higher income and they're still broke, it's because they don't have the good habits. So 
Uh, I teach I teach people to have better financial habits, and it takes a little bit to build them. That's one thing that separates me from all the guru programs out there. You actually have someone who's there to help and create those habits. So spend less, learn how to increase your income, and get out of debt and set the habit. And that, those are the, the four best things that you can do if you have low income for yourself. That's really great advice. Uh, more and more pets. Yeah, that's where all the money is going. We just uh, brought Clint's two patrol horses home and we also have three dogs. <laughs> that's why yeah. more and more pets. That's where all the money goes. So before we wrap this up, Justin, um, I do have a question for you because you are the bearded financial pro. And as I was listing everything here in the description, I was like looking for an emoji that matches a beard, right? And I'm like, what happens when he decides he wants to shave his beard off? <laughs> That'll never happen. I actually, four years ago, I accidentally uh, shaved it um, because I was, you know, trimming it down and the guard slipped and it like took it down to stubble. Uh, and it wasn't like in a spot I can make it a goatee. It was terrible. And I looked like I was 12. And I, my girlfriend is like, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> so uh, the beard staying there, even if it's not, I will get a taped on beard. I don't care. But that's that's there and it's staying. That's why I trademark it. So I would have to keep it. Love it. We have one more question here. It says more and more PERS accounts are required to pay a higher amount now. Where do you see PERS retirement systems going in the future? Um, they're making you put in higher because they're typically struggling. And that's why it's, you know, they're, they're requiring more people to shove more money into it. Um, Again, I can't speak on all PERS accounts because I'm, you know, I've only spoken with the Georgia firefighter pension one directly. You know, this guy's this guru of he has thing so many titles after his name and everything. But the problem that a lot of them are having is they're they're blowing out so much money paying out, especially to older generations of baby boomers and firefighters, that it's hard for them to keep up. So they're either going to keep requiring you to put in more and more. Um, to to guarantee, if you'll call it that, um, that you'll have more income in the future. But what I'm seeing across the board with different departments is that they're not paying as much out anymore like they used to. Uh, used to be able to, hey, you can have 82%. Now it's 1%. <clears throat> but they still have to contribute the same amount of money into their, their pension, especially this one department. So for instance, <clears throat> if they're putting in, let's say $500, <clears throat> every quarter into this pension and they're going to get 82%. Well, suddenly now we're still going to pay out, you know, 500 or uh, require you to pay 500 a quarter, but we're only going to pay out 1% now. So you can see the big problem is it's in my, and it's not really a Ponzi scheme. Of course, the Ponzi scheme is illegal, but just like how social security is, we have to pay into it. And we may not ever see it just like with a pension, you have to pay into it and you may never actually see it down the road. But they require you to pay it. You have to pay it, which it really pisses you off, right? When you're sitting in your car and you're thinking about your retirement and you're you're going down the road, like, man, I'm paying so much money into it, but now this bearded financial pro guy on on this this webinar or this uh, you know Facebook Live and this podcast, you're not gonna, you're telling me I may not even have it. Is bullshit. I should just like cancel it now. Don't do that. Like every pension's different, but. What may happen to these pensions, they may continue to require more, reduce down how much they're actually going to pay out for new members coming in. And then also the scary part is at some point the pension may actually dissolve. And that is something we have seen. Um, about 80% of pay pensions that existed 30 years ago have been wiped out. 80% wow. very big amount of pensions. So <clears throat> it, it should be alarming. 
And that's why we should take charge of our of our own retirements and focus on what we can do individually. So uh, that's what I am seeing <clears throat> could happen to some. There are some very well-managed p- pensions out there. Uh, I'm not saying all are bad. There's some very good ones. But uh, from what I've seen, most of them are not well-managed anymore. Um, and it's very disturbing. So they'll either keep increasing how much you have to put in, reduce down the output, or eventually completely get rid of it um, to get that burden off of their shoulders. Cool. Cool. So to wrap this up, Justin, if people want to schedule an appointment with you or get to know a little bit more advice based on their individual situation, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can go to retireresponders.com. That's um, one place to reach out to me. You can go through there, submit your information for me to reach out to you. And then after you do that, there's a little schedule um, button that you can actually schedule an appointment. And if you actually just want to kind of, you know, learn some more basic financial concepts as well, um, that's what we have conversations with. And I'll be doing some um, upcoming webinars specifically for financial education to help in those aspects. So retirerresponders.com. And also you can go to the beardfinancialpro.com too um, to get some other financial stuff done. Cool. Thank you so much for all of your advice and for sharing your wisdom and answering our questions. And I will talk to you next time. Have a good day, you guys. Thank you.